So the difficult thing about adults today, I believe, is that we have a hard time looking within ourselves because we weren't always honored or validated for our feelings. Our parents in the dominant parenting paradigm were very focused on our behavior, making sure that the behavior that we gave them was what they expected of us. So often many of us felt we needed to perform in order for love and acceptance. And because of that, we've now become adults that have a very difficult time looking within ourselves to help fix a problem because we were blamed and shamed as children often. Hi, I'm Sandy Fowler, and you're listening to Mighty Parenting, a podcast where we explore parenting in a way that helps us and our kids find more happiness and fosters emotional wellness, even while solving problems with our teens and young adults. We learn through advice and stories from experts and other parents, and I'm so glad you've joined us. So welcome to Mighty Parenting, where we have real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults in today's world. A quick tip from Trumi. Talk to your child about cell phones. Ask them what they think is a healthy and safe way to use their smartphone. Rules and restrictions might keep our kids safe now, but what happens when they're adults and the restrictions disappear? We want to help our kids discover the best way to live well with technology. And that means talking to them, having conversations, finding out what they're thinking, and guiding them in finding a safe and healthy path for themselves. And if you want a strong partner in supporting your child and developing those healthy habits, work with our sponsor, Trumi Wireless. Trumi is a completely customizable experience in a smartphone. Now you can have a conversation with your child, then sit down together to set their phone up in a way that supports them. And you do all of this right in the parent portal so they won't change settings on a whim. You can learn more at Trumi.com and use the code MIGHTYPARENTING to get $50 off your phone. And if you want to know my thoughts on how you can use Trumi, just send me an email at connect at mightyparenting.com and I'll be happy to share more thoughts and tips. Our conversation today is with Kim Minch. Kim is a Jai Institute for Parenting Certified Conscious Parenting Coach and the author of Becoming Me While Raising You, A Mother's Journey to Herself. Kim specializes in working with mothers of adolescents, that's kids ages 10 and up, And she helps them to raise their children with intention and guidance rather than fear and control. Kim is someone I've known for quite a while. She's been a guest on episodes 55 and 84, which we'll link in the show notes for you because you have to listen to those. And so I am incredibly excited to have her back today talking to us about beliefs and how our beliefs impact our families. Kim, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Sandy, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. And it's been a blessing to be on Mighty Parenting two previous times. So yeah, very happy to be here. I appreciate you so much. And I am really excited about having this conversation because the more I interview experts, the more work I do on myself, the more awareness I create, the more I see how much I impact what's happening in my family. And I know that's where you're at. And specifically today, we're talking about the beliefs that we have. I mean, like the things that we've carried forward from our childhood. So how can, 
how can my belief from my childhood create issues in my relationships with, well, let's talk about our kids, you know, cause I know you say also it, it's all our relationships, right? But let's, let's focus on our kids and especially these older kids. How am, how are my beliefs about something going to cause problems there? Well, I think let's start maybe by defining what is a limiting belief, because just so that we're all on the same page, right? A belief that we have about ourselves. So a limiting belief is something, a state of mind or a thought process that we believe about ourselves that limits us in some way. It stops us from our highest potential in some way. And typically limiting beliefs We take these on unconsciously often in childhood through relationships that we have with our primary caregivers, potentially with a teacher, a coach. These things influence us because we come into the world completely, obviously dependent on people. And as we go along and have life experiences, we collect thoughts about ourselves based on situations moments we've had with the people that we love most and trust most in our lives. So that, that is what a limiting belief is. Can you share one? What, what's an example of an, of a limiting belief from our childhood? Okay. I will share one example from my book and it is the first story. Um, I took on a belief about myself that I wasn't worthy of being heard. And that when I, you know, and and we can get into the process of this work in a little bit. But when I began to think about what do I believe about myself, there are have been many times in my parenting with my five kids, that I have not felt heard, respected, that, you know, that kind of thing. And I know that moms and dads commonly feel this way. So the thing about it is when I began to think, what do I really believe about myself? I believe that, you know, there are times when I'm not worth hearing. Well, where did that come from? And I don't know if you want me get, to get into the story, but it is when I really thought about it, when was the first time that I felt like what I had to say wasn't being received well, or wasn't, was, I was being shut down. And that is, was a result of a, a situation that happened between myself and my dad when I was six years old. And it was a, you know, it was a very mundane moment in during the summer, I was out um, on the swing set with my younger brother and my littlest brother, who was two at the time kind of toddled in front of my swing, and I couldn't stop in time and I bowled him over and I heard him and my dad was in charge at the time and he kind of came over and I tried to explain what had happened to my dad. And he was not in a mode of listening. (laughs) And he was upset about my brother. And he kind of shut me down. And then a little while later, I had the opportunity again to share with him um, my concern and, and my sadness about my brother getting, you know, me bowling him over with the swing. And he really did shut me down and didn't want to hear it. And I don't know if it was a lack of empathy or parenting skill or his own worry or whatever was going on in his life. But bottom line, because he wouldn't hear me out or didn't want to listen, I took on the belief that I wasn't worthy of being heard. And clearly 
when we grow up and we have our own kids and they're not listening to us, it can be a trigger to a moment back in time. And we may not even know what that moment is, but we know that we are feeling a similar way. And that can cause us to react rather than respond to our kids. It can cause us to immediately go into, you know, a, a, it's kind of like a, I don't, a physical or mental flashback. And it may not even, you may not even know what's happening, right? But when your kids do something that triggers you, it most definitely comes from somewhere. And it doesn't necessarily come from the moment with your child in that moment. It can be from something that happened much long ago, long, longer ago, like I explained. Now, the thing about it is I have been that parent over the years. I have been that parent in the situation where I haven't been able, you know, I didn't have the bandwidth to always be calm for my kids and let them speak their entire mind and all the things, right? So I'm not telling the story to throw our parents under the bus because, oh my gosh, my dad gave me this, you know, belief that I wasn't worthy of being heard in this summer moment that I had with him. It's about all of us understanding that what we believe about ourselves does often come from much earlier in our lives and nothing will kick that up as, as much as our children and, or our partner will in our lives. Well, and that makes sense because these are the people who are most important to us. Yes. They're the people we let in most deeply. They are the people who can hurt us most easily, even though that's nobody's intention in the moment. What I found really interesting in there is the idea of switching from, wow, my kid is not listening to me. They're being disrespectful to the next question be, what do I believe about myself? I know it's a big question too. <laughs> I never saw that in Dr. Spock. I mean, not that I read Dr. Spock, but what, what did I read? Dr. Brazelton. And what did we have? What to expect when you're expecting in the first yeah. year or whatever, like <laughs> never saw in there child talking back. What do you believe about yourself? So talk to us a little bit more about that. I know it sounds, it sounds like a big leap. This is, this is a monumental shift for most of us to go. They're misbehaving. A lot of us would feel like, well, why am I taking the blame for it? I think it can feel like that. Yeah. Do you know, okay. Do you know why we, we, as in, I mean, I'm 53 and why we feel that way often is because of the way that we were raised. We had various levels. Each of us had various levels of being seen and not heard for many generations. We've been in what's called the dominant parenting paradigm. So that's where we are parenting over our children, where we know the answer, where the behavior is more important than building the connective relationship. That is not to say that previous generations of parents didn't deeply love their children, but it's only in the last, say, 20 years that we've really understood how emotions are developed in our kids and how the way that we parent impacts our children so deeply in their, you know, in their emotional responses and their emotional intelligence. 
So the difficult thing about adults today, I believe, is that we have a hard time looking within ourselves because we weren't always honored or validated for our feelings. Our parents in the dominant parenting paradigm were very focused on our behavior, making sure that the behavior that we gave them was what they expected of us. So often many of us felt we needed to perform in order for love and acceptance. And because of that, we've now become adults that have a very difficult time looking within ourselves to help fix a problem because we were blamed and shamed as children often. Even with the best of intentions, because again, our parents were parenting in the only way they knew, which was to manage the behavior because that's what they could see. And they knew what they wanted for us and particular kinds of behavior are what we're going to help us live a good life. Right. Absolutely. And I, and, and absolutely, this is not about (laughs) throwing, you know, previous generations under the bus. The reality is though, that we are in a time of evolution and we have to be listening to our children's behavior. And at this point, um, although I don't have statistics, I know we all know that our kids' emotional well-being is really being challenged right now. We also know that there is a major pruning process during adolescence, and there's a lot of growth going on that we didn't necessarily know when you and I were growing up. So we take the fact that we know much more about adolescence and how kids grow emotionally through it. And we know that we have to come at it a different way by focusing on the behavior. That's the way we get power struggles. And we have kids that, you know, maybe parents that are white knuckling it through the teen years, they get their kid to 18 out the door, whether that's to college or something else. And then the kid never wants to have any spend any time with them or do anything with them. And we won't have influence over say our future grandkids at some point. What I'm suggesting is that we move from the dominant parenting paradigm into an intentional parenting situation where we are parenting as our kids get older, certainly through middle and high school and young adulthood, much more progressively to one of with our kids and not over them, which means shifting from being in that, that controlling kind of wanting to see the certain behavior to working with them, trying to see them for who they are, not for who we want or need them to be, and to be validating their feelings, which sometimes people will take as, oh, we just let them, you know, we'll just be friends with them and we'll let them, um, you know, kind of rule the house and not have any, you know, um, structure or anything. That's, That's not what I'm suggesting. It has everything to do with understanding that as the older our kids get, the more we are a guide for them. And that's not guiding them into what we want. It's supporting them, listening to them into their becoming their best selves. And still holding the boundaries of safety. Absolutely. And what you said in there was interesting. You said, validate their feelings. You didn't say, 
let them make the rules of the house. No, I didn't say validate them either. Yeah, I didn't say I didn't necessarily say agree with them either. I said validate, which means reflect, mirror back. It doesn't necessarily we we have to do much more listening during the teen and young adult years than we do talking. But it's listening to understand. I often tell parents that I'm working with, you know, just because you're listening doesn't mean you have to agree. It does mean that you are trying to understand where your child is coming from, where the information they're getting, how they're formulating the decisions and the choices that they're making in their lives. Because let's face it, we all have so much information coming at us all the time. And so I think it's very important for us to get a handle on kind of what's coming into our kids' worlds and helping them formulate who they are outside of our, our influence. In all of this, I can see, you know, how much of it is about us. And this is why our beliefs are going to have such a great impact on our parenting and our relationship, because we're listening to our kids and, and allowing them to say whatever's on their minds. Yes. And that can push our buttons which as you said, are basically triggers for things that we've experienced and and thoughts we've had about that beliefs we've created around it. So lead us a little further down this path, Kim. Okay. So as I mentioned in the beginning, I went through the situation with my dad where I inadvertently and unconsciously took on the belief that I'm not worthy of being heard. This plays out through my book in situations that I would be in with my husband where I didn't feel I could use my voice and or my kids who maybe weren't listening to me um, or didn't want to do what I asked. You know, every, I mean, every child goes through, no parent gets through life with a child who complies every single time, right? So I, when I started asking myself, what do I really believe and where did this come from? The next question was, is it true? Is it true? Is it, is it true that I'm not worthy of being heard? No, that's not true. And then the next question is, if that's not true, what is? And so I needed to work and every parent needs to work to a place of what is really true. And so I came to a place of, I am worth listening to. Therefore, I have the bandwidth at times if my kids have an opinion or don't maybe don't maybe want to follow something I've asked them to do, or we're in a situation where I could feel disrespected. I have the ability to hold the space for their thoughts and feelings without taking it personally. I think that is something that is so important for parents because especially as our kids become more independent in their feelings and their opinions and their paths in life, we can take it so personally. And when we just look at when we, when we work to come to a place of not taking their words and actions as a personal attack on the way we're parenting, it is much, much easier and healthier to get them through. We don't have to agree, but we do need to see them 
for who they are. And again, not who we want or need them to be based on expectations that we may not even know that we have. The part of that that caught my attention was not taking it personally. Two pieces to that. One is, is that kind of what our, to a large part, our limiting beliefs comes down to is it makes us take things personally that, that our kids say and do that aren't? I would say yes. I would, I would say it's very ego driven, right? And we have to, I mean, I think one of the greatest, most beautiful things is A, to understand our children are our greatest teachers and B, this parenting experience is the most fantastic opportunity to grow ourselves up and sometimes to reparent ourselves. Okay. And then the second piece of that was how do you not take this personally? These are some of the most important people in our lives. Parenting is going to be in our top, top three job descriptions of our lives. Yeah. And that's all about us, you know, how we show up, who we are. So how do we not take that personally? I'm going to share a little bit more of um, part of my book is about the walk that I took with my eldest son through his addiction to alcohol. And it was that not only was that my parenting wake up call, but my personal awakening. And really in the worst part of my son's addiction his active addiction, when I literally didn't want the phone to ring because I did not know what was going to come at me on the other end. I went to sleep one night after crying for quite a while. And I woke up with this knowledge that I didn't know why my son was in the world and what he was here to listen and go through. And I could not protect him, stop him, save him, fix it. I I mean, I tried to do some things, but ultimately our children are here to go through things that we may not know what they're here to learn. And so I woke up with this knowledge and many years later, and I'm going to share this quote with you just because I think it's so relevant right here. And if parents can listen to this and really think about this, it may help them with that, let taking things less personally. So here is what I operate from as a parent. And that is our children come through us not for us, except for the lessons they reflect to us during their journey in an effort to grow us up along the way. So our children are here of their own volition and blueprint. And we may not know exactly what that looks like. And we may be able to control when they're younger, certainly, some of the experiences that they may have, but the older they get, the more we really need to allow as much as possible, aside from safety. Like I stepped in with my son. There's no question. There are moments when you have to step in and do what you can, but ultimately we don't know why our children have come into the world. And they are going to experience at times things that are very challenging. 
And for us to know that we are blessed to be their guides, but that we really have very little, if any, control over the outcome of, of who they are and, and their paths in their lives. And I think that as well, I, should, I know for me and for other women, I know other mothers, as we work on ourselves, dynamics change in the family. So instead of focusing on changing somebody else, putting that energy into learning about ourselves and showing up in a healthier way for ourselves does impact what's happening in the household. Now we can't come from it from the standpoint of, well, if I start doing this, then they're going to do that. This, this needs to just be doing for us. And so I love Kim that you gave us these three questions. You said, okay, what do I believe about myself? Is it true? If it's not true, what is, and this is something we can all take and use to help ourselves grow as far as you know, asking that question, what do I believe about myself? Does it make sense to initiate that first question when we're getting upset with our kids about something to go like what, what trigger, you know, this triggered me, this really, yes. you know, hit me at the core. It upset me. Well, especially if there's a pattern, if there's a pattern of that. And we all know the difference between a slow burn and that quick fire, which is usually something that's been triggered in us. So, so we can kind of sit back and go, okay, okay. So what have they been doing? That's bothering me. And then kind of work through these questions for ourselves. Yes, absolutely. And you know, what do I believe about myself could be very, a very overwhelming question to someone. And I don't mean to lead people to believe that I sat down one day and, you know, came up with these seven beliefs or whatever are in the book, you know, just like that. It took some time and it took some self-reflection and it took some journaling and it took me putting my emotional well-being ahead of my kids from at from time to time so that I could have the bandwidth to be emotionally available to them. The more I work on myself, and I know you know this, Sandy. We can't necessarily change our kids. It's not about that. It's about modeling. This is the most important job that we could ever have. I don't know of anything more important than raising a future generation. And the way that we're modeling, they are watching. They are watching us more than they are listening. So that's why it's important for us to take good care of our emotional well-being to be available to them, especially during adolescence, because there's so much that goes on and our kids will not come to us if we are stressed or if they can sense even in our energy that we're not available, even if we're in the same room, if we're in the same room, but you're not really there, your kids know that. Yeah. I just had a conversation with my girls about this recently. Uh, we decided to pick a period of time and declare our living room a no device zone. And as we were talking about it, I shared with them, I said, yeah, one day, one of my girls, my younger one commented to me, mom, you're spending so much time on your phone or something like that. And this was several years ago. And it really threw me because I didn't think that I did. So I just went, oh, okay. And then I started paying attention. 
And it wasn't that I was spending a lot of time on my phone. It's that the phone was always there. So I started leaving it out of the living room. So when she would come in, when she you know was breezing through or whatever, but when she came in to talk to me, she felt that I was present instead of having my attention split and so many things that happen. And I know, like you said, Kim, this can be a challenging process. It's something we can all certainly work on on our own. And sometimes we want support. And I know you do provide that support. So could you share where listeners can find you if they want to talk to you about your coaching? And of course, we'll have a link to your book in the show notes as well. Yes. Um, My website is reallifeparentguide.com. And you can find out about how I work with groups and how I work individually with people. And I now have a self-paced course that parents can go through. So there's three ways to work with me. And I just want to say that that last question, um, if you get to a place where you ask, what do I really believe about myself? Is it true? Where did that come from? And if it isn't true, what is the, what is the new belief is something that we're going to practice every single day. And some days are going to go better than others. So if you come to this new belief, for example, mine being, I am worth listening to every day as a practice showing up on this podcast today, Sandy, and speaking from my heart is a way that I help practice and validate that I am worth listening to and that I have a message worth sharing with parents, uh, you know, as we go through this evolution. You do, Kim. And I so appreciate you sharing that with us today and just sharing your own journey in your book was really beautiful. So thank you for that. And thank you for taking the time to be with us here on Mighty Parenting today. Thanks, Sandy. And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here, for being part of the Mighty Parenting community. Remember, if you're here, you're listening, you are a Mighty Parent, and you got this. And I will see you next week. Mighty Parents, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast. If you're ready for more, visit MightyParenting.com, where you can get your free email series, How to Talk to Your Teen, with tips for communicating with your teen in a way that builds connection and communication. And of course, remember to share the podcast with another parent to support them on their parenting journey.